Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 17 for Wednesday, January 31st. Man, January already come and gone. I am Alex Uwe, and I'm here today with Ray Estrada. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I think um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, kind of just another slow, boring week so far in terms of baseball news. Um, any Anything interesting happening lately with you? Because we sure as hell don't have to start talking about baseball yet. <laughs> um, with me, no. We're in the middle of school. Midterms are coming up, I guess, but... Oh, so boring. <laughs> Life is just really boring right now, I guess. There's no other way to put it. Um, we gotta, we got to find some new excitement. Uh, baseball will be back soon enough. I mean, we'll we'll start playing games soon, actually, with our club team. That's something to talk about. Yeah. Still not for a couple weeks, though. So no. not, even, not even that is, uh, is coming up quick enough. It, it can't come back quick enough. Um, but in the meantime, we'll be talking about the Cubs as part of our Team of the Week series. Um, Ray has uploaded his article on the Cubs already, right? So you can check that out on our website. Uh, the link will be down below. So, yeah, if you want to go ahead and, you know, dive right in and give your little bit of a summary of where the Cubs are, I'm sure most people have, you know, very clear memories of the Cubs at the end of the 2016 season when they won it all, and maybe they've forgotten everything that's happened to them since. So why don't you get us caught up? Uh, yeah, so the Cubs, their lineup is young, and we know who their core players are. We know Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, and Schwarber, those guys. Um, I, last year they had, I would call it a World Series hangover, something we thought that because they were young wouldn't happen, but I guess that hangover doesn't work like actual hangovers. It, it like, doesn't get affected by age. Um, <laughs> uh, so they bounced back in the second half. Um, like Bryant's average... Uh, spiked about 30 points. Um, Rizzo's went up 20 points. And so they had a, I think they were the best record in at least the National League in the second half after being two games under 500 at the All Star break. So they have all the pieces. They just didn't get off to the best starts last year. They still went to the NLCS, lost to the Dodgers in five. Their pitching is the most suspect. Uh, Lester struggled last year. And um, Hendricks, Hendricks was injured last year, even though he pitched pitched well. And Jake Arrieta is a free agent, um, and who knows where he's going to end up, considering what Boris wants for him. But um, I think they're in a good spot, and, and um, basically they're still the tar- they're still the target in the NL Central. Um, yeah, I, I think you can still call them the top dogs. Thinking back to the way we were talking about the Cubs in 2016. Something I like to do is kind of reflect on, you know, how we reacted to, you know, how teams were performing. And we definitely uh, were of the consensus that the Cubs were at the beginning of a dynasty that would last for years to come. And we are in those years that are coming. And this past year, you know, you can't really say it was a bad year. They finished, you know, in the NL championship series like that's a good year by by any measure you know that you don't have to win every single year for it to be a good season Um, but you're right there are concerns with the roster with some of the aging players that call into question the the longevity of this cubs dynasty Um, obviously their core is still there it's still really good especially their two mvp caliber players but the rest of the the core of young players that was supposed to, 
you know, really bring this whole team together, didn't have a very impressive showing this past season. You know, Javier Baez didn't really get better. Addison Russell dealt with a lot of stuff in the middle of the season, didn't perform well. Uh, Kyle Schwarber wasn't, you know, playing like Kyle Schwarber. That he was sent down to AAA in the middle of the year. Yeah, he was he was shaky. Like he 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 was fine when it's all said and done, but you know, not really. You know what we expected to see after he came up. You know, in twenty fifteen it was right when he started tearing it yes. up. Yes. So, you know, there's a lot of expectations that are falling short at this point, and you know the results are the results. They, you know, they made it to the championship series again. If they can repeat that, you know, year in year out, then there's not much to talk about. But they, there might come a year in the in the next couple of years, maybe as early as this year, where they don't quite get there, or you know, with the strength of the NL Central. It wouldn't be all that shocking if they missed out on the playoffs altogether, you know? I think that's a, a possibility for the first time in a few years where, you know, considering how highly we were speaking of this this franchise and this organization. Um, so in part of that, you can also, you know, look at the, the, the minor league system for the Cubs. It is not been replenished at all it is completely empty it's exhausted so they are gonna need a lot of players on the current roster to step up um, and you know I let's let's talk about a couple players up the middle who are the most important in my opinion uh, and that's Addison Russell and Javier Baez uh, do you see any any path to them this season making any significant progress in their their game specifically offensively they're amazing defenders of course but they yeah lackluster with the bat i i can see russell breaking out this is just kind of from a pure um eye test standpoint i can see russell because I, I don't know bias he seems still kind of stuck in his ways big swing and yes he's very exciting as a player defensively and when he hits the ball mm-hmm. but he needs just to be a little more disciplined at, at the plate i think it'll do wonders for his offensive game it, I don't know how much it's going to cost him in power, but to have a second baseman who's striking out at the rates that he is, and in, in the playoffs too, he didn't have a hit until um, game four of the NLCS when he hit a home run uh, off off Alex Wood. Um, and but it's, it but the way he was talked about was seemed like he was the star of the team because he made really good tags. Um, I, yeah, and you know Joe Madden is his biggest fan he he defends Javier Baez in every way and says he is one of the most important players on the field every single game you know not just the energy he brings to the clubhouse but he is always at the center of one of the most important plays in every single game just it's just how it is he's one of those players um but that doesn't mean he can't be better than he is yeah I mean I agree he's he's a huge spark plug for that team but he needs to produce offensively more because you can't rely on Bryant, Rizzo, and even Contreras, who's a catcher. He's not going to play every day. Um, you can't rely on those three to really carry the offensive load on your team because uh, Zobrist fell off last year. Uh, Schwarber is not a high average guy. You need Baez and Russell. I think Russell has, it just seems a little more disciplined to be able to make strides, whereas Baez is the way he plays and the way he approached his approach to the plate doesn't really give into him kind of being that say like a solid um uh like top of the lineup hitter 
he's always going to have to bat eight because uh, he just can't provide that that solid on base, solid solid batting average that you would like from from a second baseman. Mm-hmm. And that's a good question, you know, that you kind of brought up inadvertently is what what the top of the lineup is going to look like because you can't have guys like Addison Russell or Javier Baez lead off. You certainly can't have Jason Hayward up there at this point. Um, <laughs> and Kyle Schwarber in the whole leadoff experiment was not a success last year. Um, there are options, but they're not really good on-base options, you know? Like, yeah. it's just not a... It's not a perfect fit, and they don't have Dexter Fowler yeah. to really fit that mold anymore. No, because thing is, you have two, three, four of Bryant, uh, Rizzo, and Contreras. But if nobody's on, if nobody's on in front of those three, because you have because eight, nine, one is Baez, pitcher spot, and Hayward, then the, then you're kind of and you have to hope that they hit a lot of home runs, and you can't necessarily rely on that. Um, they need. Like I said, Dexter Fowler last year when he saw the Cardinals, I thought I thought the Cardinals would be a lot better. I thought that was a huge loss for the Cubs, and it kind of seemed like it was because even though he doesn't hit for the highest average, he still seems to get on base. He's a good leadoff hitter, but they just don't have that uh, top of the lineup guy right now who can lead off in front of Bryant, Rizzo, and Contreras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I don't know if that's something that they'll address. At some point, or if it's just something they're gonna they're gonna kind of wait out and just see what happens, because they don't have relief coming from their own minor league system, like I mentioned. Uh, so you know we can kind of just take some time to bounce around the field now and talk about some of the other players um, that are gonna be playing important roles this year. So I, I think staying up the middle, Albert Almora will probably see a lot of starting time in the outfield Um, obviously they mix and match a lot but he is one of the best defenders that the Cubs have on a already very good defensive team and I think he can make some strides you know with the bat that's that's the the stopgap for a lot of these players that can make him a very you know very good leadoff type hitter like just if he can make some improvements here and there um, they're just waiting on somebody to do it at this point. Uh, what do you think about Albert Almora in terms of playing time and role with this team? I I really like Albert uh, Albert Almora. He's a very solid. I think he <laughs> it's could a tough name to get. Uh, out. I think he could very well be that top lineup guy. In 299 at bass last year, he hit 298 and got on base at a 338 clip. Um, I think he could be that guy. He's a very good defender in center who does offer a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. Um. I honestly think he he should probably be the long he's the long term option. He's only twenty three, long term option in in center field. Although, I mean, you have Hayward who you spent way too much money on. Um, mm-hmm. He's not going to opt uh, out at this point. No, uh, he's not worth he's not worth more uh, now. But I think I think Almora is a very promising player, and I like if he has a very solid full year next year. I think they have a very solid one through four if they hit him at top of the lineup. Yeah, and. He has very impressive bat-to-ball skills, which is something you can say about a lot of the Cubs hitters. It's just plate discipline. And I can't pick out anybody in particular and say that it's going to help this one player more so than the others because they all just need to be better at it. It's a, They're a very aggressive team, a very unique brand of baseball, 
but you know just aside from Rizzo and, and Bryant they are not you know gonna gonna bump up those on-base percentage numbers quite enough to uh to you know they're, they're gonna go through a lot of those slumps that you mentioned at the, be- the first half of last season they were not a good baseball team and that doesn't mean they're destined to not be a good baseball team with the players they have it's just a very volatile system that they're running there yeah and i think like you said we talked about after 2016 like it was seemed like the cubs are the best team in baseball and like you i was making a case that the dodgers could be but it seemed like it was a very close race like oh how how do you stop this cubs team and then we saw what happened in the first half saw what happened in the playoffs and it's like okay this these players are mortal Chris Bryant's not going to go off every single year, and and their pitching their pitching's not young, um, which is what we kind of realized last year. Like, hey, their pitching is their biggest cause of concern. But I think that's what kind of uh, drove the conversation for the Astros this uh, this off season is that we realized, okay, this Astros team is young, upstart, very good, but we know what happened to the Cubs, so let's not say they're going to all of a sudden win three straight World Series because we know how volatile base is itself and how vault and how volatile other teams are um yeah and let's let's talk about one of the most important pitchers on this team john lester who as you mentioned did not have a good 2017 season by by his standards by any standards it was just not a very good season he added 4.3 era and the fip was you know right around where it should have been there it wasn't a super unlucky season uh, he did manage to strike out a batter per nine still he's a really good pitcher in that regard and was healthy you know apparently he was healthy um still made 32 starts so in thinking that the main concern with Lester would be his age and his durability that hasn't been the case he's made at least 31 starts since in every season since 2008 wow he is he's a horse that's what he is uh, that's, that's that's more impressive than I thought, actually. Um, you know, I guess I just never thought about how John Lester's always on the field. But it didn't seem to matter because last year was really bad. And that's coming off of a 2016 season where he was one of the, like, one of the five best pitchers in all of baseball. You know, arguably he had an amazing second half and was you know looking like a phenomenal signing for the Cubs just if not for that one season almost earning back you know all of whatever the life of that seven-year contract he signed was so there's a lot of time left for Lester and he's not he's not an old man I'm, I'm tired of looking at pitchers in their in their he's, he's 34 years old he's in he's in his mid-30s but that is not an automatic death sentence especially for a pitcher who has been healthy throughout his career you know he's been producing at a high level I think last year was a blip on the radar but it was you know it was an outlier I don't think it's going to continue into next season he's too good of a pitcher to let himself run back out there and continue to perform the way he did he's the kind of guy that'll benefit a lot from a full reset and just you know take advantage of everything he had to adjust to losing his his personal catcher Uh, i don't think that's gonna hinder him any further than it did last year um do you think lester is gonna bounce back 
or are you kind of in the other camp? I, I, I'm a little le- more pessimistic about Lester because he he is healthy. Like I said, he made the same amount of starts as last year. In fact, he's made 32 starts uh, for uh, four consecutive years. But he pitched to 22 less innings, 17 less strikeouts, and teams hit a f- nearly 50 points higher against him, which is caused for concern. And his whip jump jumped by a 0.3 from 1.02 to 1.32. And I agree that 2016 was a very good year. But even off of his previous numbers, um, there there's a downward trend. Um, so I, I think there's some more cause for concern. I, I don't have necessarily questions about his health. Uh, that's not an issue, but it seems like um, he's not as effective as he once was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a fair assessment, so to speak. I'm trying to look for um, some, you know, batted ball stats to go off of here with um, with Lester, and you know, it's hard to identify exactly what it is. Obviously, he gave up a lot more home runs last year. The ground ball percentage stayed about the same. He was just giving up what we would imagine to be a lot more, a lot harder contact. Not necessarily more, you know, fly balls than we're used to, but you know, we can talk about the juiced ball we want. And some pitchers were affected more so than others, and Lester was affected uh, pretty significantly by that change. You know, his home run to fly ball rate went up like almost a whole, a whole point. I I don't. I have trouble describing that in a way that makes sense to scale, but um, the gist is that it was, you know, it was a rough season, but it wasn't a, you know, something has changed with Lester, and he is getting, he's doing something wrong. Um, he just ran into a lot of harder contact. Like, he just did not adjust to that at all. Um, yeah, uh, to kind of a couple of stats that I think are interesting. Uh, Babbitt against him last year was uh, 313 compared to 258 in 2016, but um, his MLB career average is 300, uh, but his strike percentage was down by a full 2%, which is concerning in my in, in my opinion. His strikeout, his case for nine were actually up um, a couple of ticks, but um, the strike percentage dropping by a full 2%, yeah. I think, is a bit of a concern. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to go away from the analytical side just for a moment. You know, from what I watched with John Lester, it's been it's been a few months, so forgive me if I'm a little <laughs> off base here. But it, it is an important thing to consider when you're not able to throw as many strikes, period, because count leverage, especially for a pitcher like Lester, who does not throw in the upper 90s and cannot bounce back in any count with his fastball as easy as other pitchers can, uh, really does need to establish himself early in the count. It's This is just classic, you know, baseball talk right here that you're hearing. We, we yeah. I feel like we've done a little bit less of this recently <laughs> um, for, for good reason. You know, it's easier to do when we have some material and to it's watch. It's our mind. Yeah. yeah. But it is an important thing to consider. You know, the quality of contact, the quality of his pitches may not change very much. You know, velocity dips here and there. With John Lester, he's not going to suffer too much from that. He's a guy that moves the ball a lot. Um, but, you know, I, do, I did notice that, you know, he was not 
sharp early in games, which is, you know, when he's at his most dominant. And then, you know, later in games, he can start mixing up, um, messing around with his other pitches and being creative to get outs second yeah. time through the order. He relies on that cutter very heavily. And he missed that with that cutter on both sides of the plate a lot last year. I did not watch that many Cubs games. I probably saw two or three Leicester starts, though, which is, you know, a pretty good amount just from <laughs> considering uh-huh. you watch one pitcher start. And it was it was noticeable that he was frustrated not he was not able to hit the outside corner or the inside part of the plate to get the called strikes that I'm sure he was used to getting with his old battery mate, David Ross. And you can make the argument that David Ross was a more important factor in John Lester's game than, than maybe most people realize. Um, and it was probably a frustrating adjustment period for him. And having to work hard early in the game on just trying to find the strike zone puts you in a very vulnerable state. Um, and, you know, he, it doesn't mean that he's throwing more balls because he's getting hit harder. It's just uh, it's kind of the opposite of that. He's missing some of his spots that he's very renowned and consistent hitting um, in the past that, you know, he is very frustrated that he's not able to execute those pitches that should be given um, to him. And as a result, he has to you know work in different different ways than he's used to and then the the hard contact uh, can result from that it, it basically yeah. what it comes down to when the pitcher's not in a groove when they don't have control of their best pitch that's something that can can throw anybody off you know yeah and i i mean i i noticed it too in in the nlcs watching all the dodger games um he had one NLCS start, uh, four and two-thirds innings. Only gave up one run, three hits, but he walked five hitters um, and only struck out two. Mm-hmm. And he walked uh, three guys in nine and two-thirds and a couple of uh, appearances in the NLDS with uh, f- only five strikeouts between those innings. So I I did notice that, too, is that he's – I'm not too sure. I like to look at – I'm not going to look at pitch data. That's a lot to look at. But, like, how much Ross helped him, how, how much – was he getting squeezed so much? But I think it's one season is too big of a sample size to say he was getting squeezed all season. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Um, I wasn't even trying. No, to no, argue I, I, he was I, getting squeezed. I, I know you were. I know you were suggesting that, but I think some people can take it that way. Um, but um, that that looked like the biggest thing. Like, and it kind of makes sense that his biggest issue is that he's not throwing enough strikes. And because, like you said, he's not an overpowering guy, he can't just all right. Now let's like all right, it's three zero. Oh, just throw three fastballs down the middle and dare them to hit it. Uh, he doesn't have that ability to do that. Um, so I, whether that is cause cause for concern and um, going forward, I'm not sure, but it's certainly not encouraging. Yeah. So that that was that was fun. It was just a little bit of you know general baseball strategy talk from us. I I do kind of miss that. If you want to hear us talk about that more, let us know, and we absolutely <laughs> will because um, it's it's very enjoyable. So. Let's keep talking about Cubs pitching, and I guess next we'll move on to their new, their newest starter, and that's Tyler Chatwood, who finally got himself out of Colorado and is inserting himself into a very good rotation. People have high hopes because he was a very good road pitcher last year, um, but obviously you can't just throw away all the, the starts that he made at 
his home field and maybe people are overly optimistic because he isn't really a high strikeout pitcher necessarily either he's you know a very mediocre pitcher you know when it's all said and done so will he be mediocre with the cubs will he be a diamond in the rough or will he kind of just be tyler chatwood of last year yeah yeah my my thing about tyler chatwood is that people say oh well he was a good pitcher in colorado and good good road pitcher he was he's okay on the road still he's not He's not dominant on the road. He pitched to a six ERA at home, the three hundred two batting average against, which is not good. On the road, uh, three forty nine, two hundred batting average against, which is low, uh, one point two three WHIP, um, six only sixty two strikeouts in seventy seven innings on on road games. Just as many home runs actually given up on the road as at as at Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think he's. He's kind of a middle-of-the-road pitcher. I think his overall numbers will improve, not pitching. Um, most of his games in Colorado, um, but it's not. he's not going to come out of Colorado and all of a sudden, okay, here's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. And obviously they didn't give him that kind of money. Um, but uh, I, I think he's just kind of a cog in that rotation. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the savior of that rotation. Yeah, that's a good it's a good fourth starter right now. He'll probably end up being the fifth starter. Uh, the Cubs make another move, so uh, I, I suppose we can talk about other moves the Cubs could make. You know, the rest of the rotation is about the same as it has been before. Cal Hendricks is very good. I don't have concerns about Cal Hendricks, and um, why am I? Oh, and Jose Quintana also a very good pitcher who is you know not very controversial in many ways. So let's talk about pitchers yeah. that they can add. There are, they have their they have their choice still at this point. <laughs> Darvish, Arietta, uh, Alex Cobb still out there. You know these are all pitchers that the Cubs have been linked to at some point in time. Uh, which, if you had to pick one of these three, in terms of likelihood that they sign with the Cubs, which one would you say? Uh, at this point, I think it's Arietta. I mean, because the thing is, Cobb has already been connected. Of he really wanted to go to the Cubs and. I guess they didn't offer him enough money. Uh, there was a report that Darvish signed with the Cubs that wasn't true, um, and he Darvish apparently wants to sign with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have payroll issues. Probably Matt Kemp um, to sign Darvish. Um, Arietta has been kind of quiet. He's been looked at by Washington and a couple other teams, not as an ace, which is the money he's commanding, which I don't think he should be commanding that. But um, uh. Arietta seems like the most likely out of those three to say, okay, I'll take, I'll take less money to come back to the Cubs, where I've had, where all my su- su- success has been, um, and and just kind of work it out there. Yeah, I, and here are some other potential starters they could go with. Uh, Lance Lynn is another one that comes to mind. Not necessarily a top of the rotation kind of guy. Um, let's see who else was out there still there's you know there's not not a ton of options there's some other ones this list i'm looking at is really not very good either um early jason vargas is a name that's out there jason vargas yeah it's another you know not there's no more top end names out there obviously um if there were then you know this offseason would be even more ridiculous than it is already so you know they they have some 
options to fill in the that fifth spot in the rotation if they don't want to use Mike Montgomery or um, I don't Eddie Butler I think is the other yeah roster option they have right now so uh, we'll wait to see how the free agent market plays out you know the Cubs are likely going to be active uh, considering they're one of the the few teams that seems to be legitimately competing at this point so yeah that's pretty much all from a free agent standpoint the rest of their lineup and roster is very well cool. they so, yeah i mean they, they have signed free agents they've signed brandon morrow to two years 21 million my question there is um as with anybody who has a kind of breakout success somewhere is like was that success dependent on where he was or did he finally break out as a player so like did morrow was it because he was in la was he in the right situation and if he leaves that situation is he going to kind of revert back to what he was, or is it going to carry over? Um, and Steve Ciszek, they also signed to fill um bullpen role. They basically traded two relievers. Mm-hmm. Wade Davis signed with the uh, Rockies, and Hector Rondon signed with, signed with yeah. the Astros, so they kind of filled those gaps. Um, they also re-signed uh, Brian Dunsing, the lefty. Yes, they re-signed Brian Dunsing. Uh, I th- I. Th- Think, um, I, I think Shishak's a really good signing because he had a very solid year last year between Seattle and Tampa Bay, and I think he's in that setup role. He's very good. He he was a good closer with Miami for a little bit, but then it kind of fell off, but found a setup role, and I think he's fine. So that bullpen seems solid again. Uh, the big question mark is Morrow. The question is, is he, is he a question mark? Um, I the think. question mark is, is he a question mark? It's it's very it's interesting in the way layers. that yeah, but um, but but yeah, in terms of other free agents besides another starting pitcher, they don't really have the flexibility in terms of roster space to um go after anybody. Mm-hmm. And they did get Drew Smiley, who is recovering from injury. That's another Tommy John, yes, other guy worth mentioning. Um, and I guess one other bullpen guy that intrigues me quite a bit is Dario Alvarez, who if. If any of you happen to listen to the Effectively Wild podcast, he was featured in their minor league free agent draft that they do every year. Um, He is a very compelling high strikeout relief pitcher that the Cubs signed to a major league contract, um, despite being uh, minor league free agent eligible. So he... I. Oh, I don't have the minor league numbers in front of me now. I had them in front of me. Essentially, he strikes he, out, he strikes he out a lot of batters. Yeah. Hasn't thrown a lot. Of, <laughs> hasn't thrown a lot of innings the last few years. But when he does pitch, strikes out a ton of batters. Like I, I, I feel yeah. like I'm leaving you hanging now. So I'm going to um, try to pull these back up. I had it open just, <laughs> just you know, moments ago, but somehow ended up closing it. Um, all right, this is this is some live looking right here. <laughs> yeah. But for for Alvarez, I think a hard throwing relief pitcher, it's not bad to take a gamble on them because if they just throw strikes and they're deceptive enough, they're going to be very effective. Mm-hmm. But if he walks a lot of guys or guys just see his fastball well, then then uh, I mean I guess it's low risk for them. I don't know what they signed him for, but um, I think those guys have high ceilings because of their stuff, mm-hmm. and then you can sign him for. Not a lot of money, and see where that goes from there. The the Dodgers signed Brandon Morrow to a minor league contract last year, and look what he turned into last year. Now he's now he made 
He's going to make $11 million a year. It's pretty unbelievable to think of how far Brandon Moro has come in a year, and he was yeah. not a relevant player at all last year. So, you know, it could happen to anybody. The Cubs might be able to do it with this guy. And his major league showing is not so impressive. Um, in 16 in a third inning last year with the Rangers, he threw... Oh, I just mentioned how many innings. He struck out 17 batters, but also walked 14. It was not a good showing. But in the minors last year, um, in 37 innings, he struck out 48 batters and walked the same amount as he did in the major leagues, just 14 batters. Uh, And then, you know, in previous years, uh, a couple lines that he's had here in 2016 in the minor leagues, also threw 31 in a third innings, struck out 51 batters and walked 17. So that's a pretty good year. Uh, the year before in the minors, struck out 62 batters in 42 innings and walked 21. So I'll, I'll take, I think most people would take those numbers. Uh, his best season was in 2014 in the minor leagues where he threw 73 in a third innings and struck out 114 batters. So that's just a small yeah. example of what he's capable of. And the Cubs might have gotten quite a steal with this guy if he's able to eat lower yeah he hasn't had a lot of time in the major leagues and the time he has had has not been particularly good which is you know kind of contributing to that in the same way um 2016 was the most time he's ever had in the major leagues um where he threw 26 innings and struck out 41 batters and walked seven so that's a pretty good showing um he's he's got potential to do that at the big league level again with the Cubs. Low low risk, high reward. Absolutely. So, you know, that's that's a guy to watch. If uh if any God forbid anything happens to Brandon Morrow, you could see him Dario Alvarez on the short list for the the ever coveted closer role. Um, but just if you're looking for a really good Cubs relief pitcher to root for, you can root for him. Um, I'm I'm sure not many people are right now, but you could use some some new fans. I'm a new fan of his, and I've never actually seen him pitch. So, you know, good for him. All right. Do you have anything else about the Cubs that you'd like to mention before we wrap things up here? Uh, no, just waiting for more uh, free agents to fall. Yes, please. Uh, in the meantime, you know, we'll keep doing our Team of the Week podcasts and potentially um, other random podcasts here or there if there's anything um, interesting that we that we come up with or anything happens so be on the lookout for those new podcasts uh as we keep going here so thank you everybody for joining us on this one uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the cubs or any other teams or just you know would like to leave us some kind words in general you can do so on twitter and facebook at beat the shift bp um and that's Twitter and Facebook. Again, you can email us at beattheshiftbaseball at gmail.com as well. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier in the episode, check out our website. We've got articles to go along with pretty much all our Team of the Week podcasts, uh, including one for the Cubs. So make sure you check that out as well. Okay, I think that is all we've got for today. Thank you, everybody. One last time. As always, Ray. Peace.